Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith then he grins and says do you trust me because together we can do this with mornings with Jesus you can start your day in a positive way find hope through inspirational stories and scripture go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for mornings with Jesus you can also download the abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com life audio Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we are going to be talking about the temptation of Jesus Christ um, in the wilderness. And uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So uh, we're going to kind of look through what that looks like, uh, how that affects us today, how that affects us in the way we are tempted in our lives. And uh, we're going to get to all that. But first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. All right, Randy. So yes, sir. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Right, the, 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 the temptation of Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. yeah. So where do we start? Do we start talking about temptation? Do we start talking about just the story itself? What do you want to do? I think we start... Uh, uh, First of all, the temptation does not occur in John. Okay. Uh, in John, you don't get the temptation until really uh, the Garden of Eden. Or not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane. Right. So that's, that's kind of where all of the tempting takes place. In Mark, it's mentioned in one verse. And I want to kind of end up with that. So we're really looking at Matthew and Luke. In Matthew and Luke, in both situations, it occurs right after uh, Jesus is baptized by John. And very specifically, both Matthew and Luke says the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit drove Jesus out in the desert so that he could be tempted, which is really interesting. Yeah, because we don't generally think about God wanting us to be tempted. 
Exactly. And really, I mean, you kind of have to be careful on how you say that, right? Because there's the way we use that word today often, we say like, oh, you're tempting me. Yeah. As in, you're wanting me to do the wrong thing here. Right, right, right. We right. know God doesn't want that. No, 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 no. So temptation in this sense is the Holy Spirit is leading Jesus out into the desert to be tempted, as in to stand a test yeah, and to pass yeah, it. Yeah, In fact, this word is sometimes translated test. Right. To be tested. Right. Which which is kind of important. I mean, do so... Do we do we give a little backstory on what's happening here in the desert? Why Jesus is going out to the desert to be tempted? Okay. Should we start there? Yeah. I think Jesus is fulfilling what everyone before him has failed to do. Huh. And, and this is kind of the mark of it. This is sort right, of like right, the right. this is his statement piece, right? This is where right. he's going, yeah, no, I'm actually going to do this thing. It is interesting that in both Matthew and Luke, when Jesus comes back from the temptation, it says, and then his ministry started. Yes. Then he began to do this. And in both situations, it's repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is near. And and I think it's Matthew says very specifically, that was the beginning of his ministry. So all of this is preparation for the ministry. So absolutely. This is part of the introduction. This is part of the preparation. This is part of us seeing that Jesus was able to do what I, I don't. Is it an overstatement to say nobody was able to do before? Well, well, okay. So I, I kind of look at this as the embodiment. This, this, like Jesus standing in the face of temptation and not budging, right? The, and he's fasting. I mean, let's just add right, that on top right. of it, right? 40 days of fasting so, and temptation. So I look at this moment sort of as, as like this metaphor for, for like his ministry as a whole, for his life as a whole. Like he's being challenged in a situation that mirrors some very crucial moments biblically prior Absolutely. And what, I, are, what are some of those mirrors that you've seen? So the one previous to this, correct me if there's something in between I'm missing, but the one that comes to mind for me would be the Exodus account. Well, I, I guess the Leviticus numbers sort of account. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of of uh, Israel after they've been freed uh, by Moses, right? right? Well, by God through Moses, right? Uh, from Egypt, they're led into the wilderness, and they're led out there to go, one, to go to Mount Sinai first, to go worship God. Right. But then they get there, and they're scared, right. so they don't go up. Right. So then he's like, okay, well, you can't come up then, and, <laughs> which I think is awesome. <laughs> and uh, so then they get led around the desert because they don't, well, they, they fear going into the promised land. Right. Right? And... They're afraid of the giants. That they're live afraid there. of the giants. They're afraid they won't be able to do it. Even though God has told them they will be able to right. do it. That things are going to be fine. So God says, well, all right, fine. Then you're not going to do it. Right. And he leads them around the desert for 40, 40 years. years. Right. Jesus is in the desert for 40, for 40 days. days. Right. Yeah. So you've got that same number popping Absolutely. up. And what happens is they are tested in the wilderness, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they are supposed to be following the Lord, their God, in the right. wilderness. And what do they do? They build 
idols and worship the idols. They uh, they do all sorts of funky stuff with like the tabernacle, and right. they don't do that stuff right. And so there's like fissures in the ground that swallow up whole right. families, yep, and like yep, like yep. it's nuts. They they don't follow God in the desert. They are tested in the wilderness, and they fail. They right. screw up every time. Which I think is a mirroring of, let's go back even further, boom, we're in the garden. And what is a garden? But wilderness, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. really? Because wilderness in this place, in the, in this case, it's not really talking about a desert. It's talking about a lonely space, mm-hmm. an unoccupied space. There are trees, there are bushes around, but there's no people. Right. And I mean, so in the beginning, what do you have? You've got God, Adam, and Eve. Right. And Adam and Eve are given very simple instructions of do whatever you want. Just yeah. do it in my image. Just just be my image bearers. Just love each other. Just go be like me everywhere you go and subdue the earth. Right. Rule it. Reign it. Take it over. Right? Go spread my image. Just don't eat from this tree in the middle of the garden, the tree right. of the knowledge of good and right. evil. Right. Every other tree is good. You can have all the rest of it. And what do they do? They go and they eat from the tree. They're tempted and they fail. They're tempted by the serpent right? and they give in. Now, I think there are some incredible parallels between the temptation of Eve and the temptation of Jesus. Sure. Absolutely. Before we get into that, though, there is one other thing. Uh, the book of Genesis uh, it's it's divided into five different sections, and the thing that divides it into the five sections is like in Genesis five one, the first section is all about Adam. So in Genesis five one, it says this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. It literally says this is the book of the genealogy of Adam, and you get a little bit of genealogy, but then you hear about Noah. When you finish the story of Noah, we come to Genesis 12, and uh, no, this is uh, Genesis 11, 27. This is the book of the genealogy of Terah. And then you get Abraham's story. So you get Abraham's story, and it's interesting, uh, even though Isaac comes after Abraham, you don't get the book of the genealogy of Isaac because Isaac is always seen either as Abraham's son or as Jacob's father. Instead, what you get is a Genesis, uh, where are we at here? Uh, 20, I'm not going to find it here, but at one point it's, uh, this is the book of the genealogy of Jacob. And then you end up in Genesis 37, um, verse 2. This is the book of the... No, I'm sorry. The other was the book of the genealogy of Abraham. And this now, 37.2, is this is the book of the genealogy of Jacob. And you don't have any genealogy at all. You just have the story of Joseph. Now, what makes that so interesting is that when you come to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 says, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I think this is Matthew trying to tie the history of Jesus into the history of Israel. He's saying, this is just the next step. The whole book of Genesis is split up by this phrase, the book of the genealogy. So when I start writing my book, I'm going to say this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus. And you get the end of Israelite history because you have the Messiah who comes and eventually the entire world ends at his word. Right. This is the last needed genealogy. Yeah, yeah. This is the last chapter. Because this guy is not going anywhere. Right. And his family is everyone who believes in him. That's exactly right. Right, right, yeah. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's even it. You said I think this is what this is. I don't even think this is a Randy thinks. I think this is that's what this is. That is one hundred percent. Like, I mean, he's tying him into the lineage of David, right? Because he does right, it twice. Right. He does well. He does it for David, or uh, sorry, for Joseph, and he does it for Mary. Then, in the book of Matthew, you get these amazing parallels between the history of Israel and the history of Jesus. You've got uh, chapter one, you've got Joseph and his dreams. (laughs) And uh, when God comes to him and says, you got to protect your family, where does he go? He goes to Egypt where Joseph went. So they come out of Egypt. And what do they do? Uh, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. He goes under the water. You've got Israel going under the water on dry land. They come out of that to Mount Sinai. Where does Matthew, where does Jesus' ministry start? The Sermon on the Mount. You've got the mountain there as well. You have Moses coming off the mountain, and his clothes are dazzling white. His face shines You've got Jesus' transfiguration all through the book of Matthew. Well, well, okay, so I would flip that one really quick. I would say that that's not so much a comparison as to Moses. That is more Moses is in the direct presence of God at that moment in time. Yeah. And the disciples are in the direct presence of God at that point in time, but it's Jesus showing I am God, right? right? Right. So I, I agree. I just would flip that one a little bit. But it's... My point, though, is that all of these things, when Matthew writes his gospel and people read his gospel, they're going to be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, Israel did that. Oh, yeah, Israel did that. Forty days in the desert being tempted. Gee whiz, Israel did that. But Israel messed up. Right. But Jesus didn't. fell, but Jesus didn't. Right. So, yeah, I think you're spot on. And it's super, super interesting once you start piecing together this this idea of, like, there there is so much parallelism happening here. Yeah, and, well, there hey, is, there is. let's go back to that episode we did on Hebrew poetry. Yeah. Pa- go listen to that episode if you haven't, folks. Parallelism. It's one of the major forms of uh, – what was that episode called? 
Oh, uh, literary po- just poetry. Figure. No, no, no. We talked specifically about poetry. We did a poetry one. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. We've talked so, about so many yeah, things about have. reading your Bible. Whatever. Go look. Just go listen to all those episodes, actually. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, parallelism. It's huge. So we said uh, there are incredible parallels between the temptation of Eve and the temptation of Jesus. And I know you brought this up, too, uh, before we got started. What are some of the some of the parallels that you see there between Eve's temptation and Jesus's temptation. Well, let's start with Jesus's temptation. Okay. So Jesus uh, is in the desert. Right. And he's fasting. And he's fasting. And that's key here. Right. That's that's a pretty big one. Um, and so Satan, the adversary, right. Right? right? He comes and he approaches Jesus and he's kind of mocking him. Um, saying like, oh, well, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you just take those rocks, those stones, and turn them to bread and eat? Yeah. And so the first thing he tempts him with is basic human necessity of food, like human needs, right? But that would go in the face of the whole reason Jesus is there in the first place, which is to fast, right? So he would be disobeying right. God yeah. if right. he right. broke that fast before he had committed, right? Or before the end of his commitment. Yep. Um the second temptation of Jesus in the desert is that Satan takes him up to the height of the temple, right? Um in Matthew, he takes him up on a mountain. It's up on a mountain. In Luke, it's on a pinnacle of the temple. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. point is, he's on a high spot. Now the temple is located on a mountain, so... Right, yeah. right. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But he tells him, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you jump? Um, because, you know, you could just call the angels down and they would catch you and never let your foot strike strike a stone, right? Right, you, right, right. You'd never touch the ground. And uh, so he tempts him with basically proving who you are. Like, mm-hmm. if you're the son of God, well, surely heaven would never let you right. fall to the ground, right? Look at Scripture. He quotes, Satan's quote, quotes Scripture. Yes, he does. And and says, God won't allow your foot to hit the ground. Right. So he says, you know, prove it. And And so do you think, so before I guess we move on to the third one, do you think it's fair to say that, is this is this temptation the you know pride of who you are or is it that is it to test god i think it's uh the pride of who you are the honor god will honor you he won't let you fall uh you've mentioned that as the second temptation in matthew that's the third temptation ah matthew has bread First and Luke has bread first, then Matthew the goes. Flip. Yeah, the other two flip, which I think is an indication that the temptation. This was not a two-minute encounter with Satan. Hmm. These were constant temptations all the way through the forty days. So yeah, the big one. He was fasting. Satan says, "Make Eat. bread." Yeah, but then the other two. Satan uh, was saying, prove yourself. Prove yourself. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Prove yourself. Prove who, prove who you, you are. are. Yeah. yeah. And then the third one, 
or second one, depending. Yeah. Um, is, you know, to Satan tells him, bow down to me, worship yeah. me as God right now, and uh, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Yeah. Uh, but the reason that's so interesting is Jesus is going to inherit all of the kingdoms of the earth regardless through the crucifixion. And so the temptation isn't to give him all the kingdoms of the earth. The temptation is a shortcut. Yeah. The temptation is you don't have to go die. Take you don't have to do cut. the hard work. You don't have to do the, the sacrifice part. You can just have it if you just worship me. And so I think the third temptation is to to skip the hard stuff, to yeah, to yeah, just yeah, benefit yeah. without putting in the work. I'll give you the power. I'll I'll just give it to you right now. All you have to do is worship me. Right. Yeah. Take yeah. a shortcut. Yeah. I looked it up. I was wrong there. In both Matthew and Luke, uh the temptation to jump off the temple pinnacle is actually the temple. It's not a mountain. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mountain is where he sees all the kingdoms of the world. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So with Eve, Eve is tempted with food as well. Eat this. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> it's not because she was fasting. It was just because God said, don't do that. So in comes Satan and he says, uh, yeah, just have a bite. It's just a bite. Just a little one. Ooh. You know what? Tell Okay, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are here. It's like all three of the temptations of Christ are wrapped up in the one temptation to Eve. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because when he says, prove yourself, he's saying, prove yourself to be God. What is Satan's temptation to that Eve? That you can be like Eat God. this and you'll be like God. Right. Um and then the power uh take take this shortcut take this shortcut because because we've talked about this maybe not on the podcast but I know you and I have talked about this that the surely God would have told Adam and Eve about good and evil in yeah, his own yeah. way in his own way in, in his, his own, own time, time. Satan the right was way. saying hey you can know right now and, and honestly if you compare the temptation of Eve and and Adam right because Adam because oh, yeah. Adam is the representative Adam's right there right so <laughs> because i mean the the general parallel here is Jesus is the new Adam right he yeah. is the Adam that did it right Adam is the is the is the Adam right, that failed right 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 and because Adam just means man it means human right, right? Yeah, human that's the whole idea yeah. so um it makes more sense to think that God would have told them eventually, would have eventually given them the understanding, because we know that eventually Jesus is going to inherit all of the all of the kingdoms. He oh, is yeah. going to be, but oh, yeah. but the, the temptation is the shortcut. But he, here's the thing in both of those. So with the temptation of Eve, it was the knowledge of good and evil. They already knew what good was, because good was all around them. God looks at everything and he says, this is good, that is good, this is very good. So eventually, God would have let them know what evil is. But in his way, when he felt they were ready, Satan comes and says, oh no, you know right now. And in fact, by knowing right now, you'll be like God. Because he knows what evil is. So you'll get to know that too. 
Right. That that gets really convoluted really fast. Yeah. When you when you get into the whole like, well, wait, was evil even present? Was it possible before? Yeah, yeah. Like, of course, it was possible. But what had it been? Had Satan already done something at that point in time, you know, or was this the first evil act committed? Like, there's all these questions that we don't have answers to. I have a friend who's a church historian, and he believes he bases what he says on Augustine. He says that the temptation in the garden is not only the fall of Adam and Eve; it's the fall of Lucifer. I believe as well. That. That would and be my it thought. It makes perfect sense. Yes. Because it's Lucifer putting himself in the place of God. Right. Yeah. God said this, but I say that. Do what I say. Well, yeah. I can't I'm not gonna take us off the rails. We can go way off the rails here, <laughs> and it's not it's not conducive to what we're trying to do here. We should do a we should do like a fall the fall of Satan sometime. That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what we'd get out of it, but that I'm would not, be interesting. I'm not sure either, but yeah, yeah. I think that could be interesting. I, uh, I, I agree with you. I do think this is both the fall of Adam and Eve and the fall of Satan at the same time. So did evil exist prior to this time? Uh, probably not, but the potential was sure there. And right. that's what they both do. That's what all three of them do together. Right. Okay. So we've got the the temptation of Adam and Eve mirroring the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Here's my question though. We mentioned Exodus. Can you find those three themes present in the, in the temptation of Israel in the desert? I bet they are. Well, you, you have uh, food, because the first thing Israel says when they hit the desert is, We're hungry. We don't have enough water. And then when God gives them water, he says, Well, we don't have enough food. So he gives them manna. And then they say, Well, uh, it's just one kind of food. <laughs> so he gives them quail. So you have the food there. When, okay. Um, when, they, when they build the golden idols... Why is Moses on Sinai at that point in time? He's receiving the law. He's receiving the law. Yeah. So rather than waiting for God's law to come to them, because they know that Moses is going up there to speak with God to get this revelation. He's told them what he's doing. Rather than that, they take all the gold they have and fashion it into two make-believe gods so they can worship right Right, then. Right, right. So so that's a weird one because it's not really at their own benefit. It, it is, but it isn't. Like, but it's a shortcut. It is a shortcut. Don't wait. We want to worship now. Yeah. So let's yeah. make our own God. We can have gods right now. Now, were they ever tempted to be like God in the desert or, or to seek honor or power? You could say that what Korah does is seeking power. He comes up to Moses and Aaron and he says, uh, uh, why are you guys bossing us around? All of us have leadership abilities. And uh, it, it wasn't until this year that I was studying that passage, I realized that he was one of the furniture movers of the temple. He was one of the clan that would pack up the furniture and move the tabernacle from site to site. Set it up, tear it down, set it up, tear it down. He's basically two men in a truck, right? 
Um, I don't think people are gonna. Is that a nationwide thing? Uh, that might only be an Indiana. He's thing. a furniture it's a moving local service. Moving, yeah, <laughs> furniture moving company. I was like, wait yeah. a minute. So he wanted more. Which you look at that and you think, well, yeah, sure. But the way he went about it, give me the power. Give me the power. Yeah. And what ends up happening is the earth, you get earthquakes for the first time, or I don't know for the first time, but for the first time, the ground opens up and swallows them whole. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we, I don't think we're really prepared to talk about that one. So this is like a first glance kind of thing. Yeah. I think those are all good explanations. There may be other ones. So don't hold us to that one too hard. But the the thing that I'm thinking of is regardless of how you look at the temptation, I feel like the overarching temptation in these situations, like whether you're looking at Adam and Eve, whether you're looking at the desert or, or like Moses in the desert, or you're looking at uh, Jesus is, are you going to trust yourself? Or are you going to trust God? Exactly. Exactly. And that's very definitely uh, at the heart of why they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Right. Because they would not trust God to give them Palestine. Right. Right. They, they said literally, this is Numbers 3, I think it is, or maybe it's Numbers 11. It's Numbers 11. They said, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and then... We seem the same to them. So it was a self-image thing from the very start. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the – that's sort of how I feel like all of those situations relate. Yeah. Do we want to hone in on the temptation of Jesus in the garden and how he responds? Uh, in in the desert, yeah. In the desert, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, wilderness, oh, garden, I, desert. I <laughs> think that's I think that's uh, foundational here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to walk us through kind of sure. his response? So let's to look Satan? at the first one. Uh, and I'm looking at the Matthew account here. During that time, the devil came and said to him, "If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread." Jesus told him, "No." Scripture says people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's one. Yeah. Um, Jesus responds with Scripture. He does that every time, doesn't he? So two. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. He said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For Scripture says he'll order his angels to protect you so that they will hold you up with their hands you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus said, scriptures also say, don't tempt the Lord your God. Yeah. So. Back to the scripture. Quote scripture again. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you. And think about it. We've talked here about the divine council, about uh, the nations of the world being assigned to other uh, deities, minor deities, demons. Satan had the right to make that offer to Jesus. He had those kingdoms. And, and that's, that's re- dude, I know every time we come to this, I geek out, but it's because we don't talk about this enough. Right. But that is a central theme in the Bible is that 
the that Satan, the powers of darkness, the adversary, I mean, whether it's you're looking at it as one central figure or a lot of bad guys, however, like Hail Hydra kind of thing, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> like I think Tim Mackey said that once, so I thought it was funny. But point being is like the bad guys had authority over yeah. everything yeah. except Israel. Right. Right. That was God's right. portion. He took it as his own. He At Babel, he handed over everything right. else. And I kind of think they know this is coming to an end, especially <laughs> when Jesus is born and God is standing there in front of him. They've got to be scratching their heads thinking, dude. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, they're stupid. Like they don't fully get it. I the, think they think they can still. Right. They think there's a way out of this. So there the temptation is. Satan says, I'll give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. And Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Ooh, come back to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil went away. Yeah. So that, I I was, this is is really random. I. I'm not even going to get into where I saw it. I saw a verse the other day, um, and it was it was like one of those things where you've seen it a million times, but you've never really like broken it down oh, and thought about it. Yeah, and it's uh, Proverbs two six. Okay, for the Lord gives wisdom; from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. And immediately, I just thought, "Huh?" From His mouth, words come out of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible is the word of God. Right. Jesus Christ is the word, the of, word God. of God. He is truth. He is knowledge. The scriptures are truth. The scriptures are knowledge. We don't get that about anything else. Nothing that's, ever that's says true. that the that's church true. is the truth and the knowledge of God. No. It never says that. No, no, no. It never says that about tradition is the the, the truth and right. the knowledge. No. We get our truth and our knowledge of the world of, of, of God from him, and that is given to us solely through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his word in the Holy Scriptures. And so, Jesus combats temptation by speaking truth. Which is Scripture. The word of God. Truly Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. I, that and is, it's awesome. That is fascinating. But we don't do that. We're tempted and we... Kind of wring our hands, go, oh, poor me, oh, gee, many, I, I shouldn't do that. But, oh, man. Jesus just said, hey, what does Scripture say? Yeah. I believe Scripture. Yeah, and, and, like, I think most Christians would profess to believe that. Oh, yeah. But how, how many of us actually stop and go, I'm going to go back to the Word and read it. See what and the see what Bible it says. says and I'm just going to I'm just going to know it inside and out so when I'm tempted, I can I speak can the truth. It. I can speak truth into the darkness, right? Ooh, there's got to be some good John 1 references. Probably, For probably. that concept. You know what just came to my mind, though? Martin Luther, our our favorite foul-mouthed drunken priest. Monk, whatever, <laughs> yeah, monk, yeah, 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 priest. He wrote fascinating hymn called A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. And I think it's the third verse in the middle of that, it says, one single word will fell him. Talking about Satan, 
how Satan is attacking the church, one single word blows him out of the water. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I think oh. that's fascinating. Oh, oh, oh. Can we just read John 1, just in sure. light of what we just said, yeah. like about Scripture yeah. and about Jesus? Like right. Jesus being the... Or, the scriptures being a, it's almost like Jesus is like the personification of the very word. Right? I think that there is a very intentional confusion. Biblical writers write and talk about the word of God, and you're left to wonder, is this scripture or is this Jesus? And I think they want you to be thinking that. Because the answer is both. Because the answer is yes. <laughs> right. The, it, it, it is his word because it's, it's who he is. It's yes. his essence. It is He is the expression of God to us. Right. And so, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That'd be, that would be face-to-face with God, right, in the Greek. Right. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So now the word has become a light. Yeah. Okay, so the word is light, right? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh, nice. So, like, so I you've like got, that. so, like, literally we got this picture of, like. Darkness shows up, speak the word. Right. You the the word of God is light in darkness. The word of God conquers I love darkness. It. I love it. It's so good. Oh. Finish your thought and then I have well, another thought. Well, I don't know I don't know that there's much more. I'm trying to see. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's good. I mean, that's kind of the idea I'm getting here is like you've got I I see this picture of Jesus out in the desert, out in the dark. Yeah. And and what happens? The very personification of evil, right? The very the, right. the the most you know when we think Satan, the devil, the, devil, the darkness, right. the death surrounding Jesus in these moments and trying to trick him, trying because he's doing. Oh, that's another point. He's doing the exact same thing he did to Eve. He's using the scriptures and twisting them. Right. Oh yeah. That's which is right. exactly right. what he does with Eve. He he goes. Well, didn't God, didn't say, God this? say this? And it's like, uh, no, he kind of said that, but that's not what he said. <laughs> you, you're changing it, right? That's right. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. And so here he is, and he's surrounding Jesus, and he's twisting up the words. And, yep. he's trying, and all Jesus is doing is going, no, that's not correct. Let me, let me remind you what it says. And, <laughs> and then what happens the, the darkness can't overcome. There's parts, uh, there are translations of this where the, don't they say, and the darkness couldn't comprehend, the darkness couldn't understand it? First John. Yeah. First John. Yeah. There you go. Yep. And what happens in the, in the, in this desert, in this wilderness? After the 40 days, Satan leaves him for a time. The book of Luke. I read from the book of Matthew. The book of Luke, the story of the temptation of Jesus ends in verse 13, Luke 4.13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And you do not see Satan again in the book of Luke. You see demons, and Jesus casts out demons. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, Am I right there? Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, 
and Judas went to the priest to betray Jesus for money. The next opportunity came. Interesting. Well, and wait, Satan wait, wait, wait. knew then he couldn't confront Jesus. He doesn't go to Jesus. He goes to Judas. Uh, I would, I would tweak that. I don't think. I think you're missing something in the middle. Because okay, let's go. Boom. Last thing Jesus says to Satan. What's he say? In the in the desert, in the wilderness. Here in the book of Luke. I'm talking the very last line. You must not test the Lord your God. Okay, before that. <laughs> okay. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Keep going. Didn't it? Doesn't he say something else? Uh, people don't live by bread. Get away from me? Oh, 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 yes. In the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, he says, get away from me. So he says, get away from me. And then, boom, we find out, and he left him. And he uh-huh. left him for a time. The thing in the middle I'm talking about is at, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, I think I'm right, but at the Last Supper. Uh, there's one before then. There is? There is. Matthew 16, uh, when Jesus is on at Caesarea Philippi with Peter. Yes, 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 yes. And he says, Peter says, you're the Messiah, and Jesus says, you're right. God has revealed this to you. And then he says, yes, yes, and yes. I must die. And, and Peter comes to him and says, oh, no, 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 don't talk about that. Uh, these guys aren't going to understand that. And Jesus says. Well, he says, like, you don't have to do that, right? Right. right. He says, yeah, um, uh, pretty much, that, at least that's what we're led to believe that he says. And Jesus says. Um, Behind me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. Yeah. It's the, it's the same idea. Yeah. It's yep. the same idea, and it's the same temptation. It's, yeah. You don't have to go oh, yeah. through with you this. You don't have to go through You don't this. have to do this. You can take a shortcut. You can take the shortcut. Right. It's the same temptation, right. Right. and it's through his and friend Jesus now. Jesus recognizes it. Now, that is not in Luke. In Luke, that doesn't take place. Because I'm sorry. Luke, I'm reading this synoptically. I'm trying to piece oh, yeah. it all together. No, I, you, and you're absolutely right to do so, because here again, Satan tempted Jesus continually for 40 days. And when that time was up, he saw that he couldn't do it with Jesus, so he started using his friends. That is so screwed up. Oh, man. Is that, I mean, there's a little bit of Job going on there. A little bit, yeah. Right? I mean, But think about Jesus with the disciples. It's not just, I've got to train these guys what they need to do. It's also, I've got to be careful of what they're saying to me, because at any point, this could be the enemy speaking. Right. Oh my gosh, I've never thought of that. That the Jesus Jesus is literally the only person that's ever lived that at no point in time could the enemy be using him. Right. Right. At every other point in time, every other person throughout history has been fair game to yeah. be tempted and used by Satan. So Satan, I guess Jesus was, was still fair game. He just didn't, he didn't right? Bite, yeah, you know? but but and we Satan know he knew would. better, right? Right. He, he 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 was a whoop puppy at that point, right? But not with Peter, not with Judas. Okay. So where do we go from here? Let's look at the Book of Mark. So in the Book of Mark, there is uh, the temptation of Jesus is uh, just two verses long. 
Mark 1, 12 and 13, the spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Hmm. Now, I've always wondered about that. Why in the world does Mark say it that way? Satan tempted him, but he was with the wild animals and angels took care of him. Well, the angel, uh, he was with the wild animals. That, that's a little bit easier one. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Um, going to start to read here in verse 6. In that day, and that day is the day when the stump of David's family will go grow a shoot, a new branch. It's talking all you about You said we're Messiah. in Matthew right now? Uh, no, we're now in Isaiah. We're now in... No, 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 no. Uh, that was Mark. That That's was Mark, Mark okay. 1, 12, gotcha, and 13. Gotcha. That says he was with the animals. So in that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. A little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be the banner of salvation to all the world. And Jesus went out in the desert where he was with the, the wild baby. animals. He is the baby. <laughs> He's the in, baby. In reference. And what is he doing? And His hand is in a cobra's the, uh, nest. <laughs> yeah. The dragon is there. And he's tempting him. Well, and that almost makes it sound like it's not just Satan, but it sounds like this is like the whole onslaught of hell up against Christ. Man, if I were Satan and God was there and I was trying to tempt him, I'd break. I I wouldn't stop at anything. I'd break out everything. Right. Because I mean, okay, so that's an interesting image, right? It's a cobra and their offspring. Yeah. The yeah. dragon and his offspring, yeah. right? Like uh, the the. I mean, and and that's imagery that Jesus uses. Your sons of the devil. So the other phrase, the angels served him. I never really understood that, till one day I was studying a book in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, the prophet Zechariah, in chapter three. Let me just read this to you. Then the angel showed me Jeshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Jeshua. Yep, Yeshua. That's Jesus' name. That's Jesus' name. Standing before the Lord, the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. The Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that's been snatched from the fire. Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. Satan had been throwing mud on him. So the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, See, I've taken away your clothes. I'm giving you these fine New clothes. Then I said, also place a clean turban on his head. Do you know what the word for dressing someone is? 
They are being served. They're being the taken care angels of. angels are taking care of Jeshua. The angels are taking care. They are serving Jesus. And at the end of that time, verse 8, listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests, your symbols of things to come. I am going to bring my branch, my, my servant, the branch. Okay, so pause. This is, this is in Zechariah? This is Zechariah. So wh- is this a vision he's having? This is a vision. And he's Zechariah seeing two figures there. He's seeing right. the Jeshua. The high priest whose name is Jesus. And he's seeing the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the and Lord. the angel of the Lord is God. Here, probably not. It's probably more like Michael. Okay, okay. This is an, an angel. God commands the angel who came from the Lord. Understood. To serve Jesus. Understood. And so, oh man, this is wild. Okay. I think this is Mark saying, see, he's the Messiah. He was with the wild animals, and the angels served I have Jesus. Never heard that passage. Yeah, or at least I've had, read it. I've never, I've never seen anybody that talks about that relationship. But I think Jeshua. it's obvious. Yeah, Jeshua, the That's high Jesus. priest. Yeah. In fact, it is not the name Joshua. It is Jeshua, which is a variant spelling of Joshua, but it's that much closer to the name Jesus. Yeah, well, we and we've done this before, but yeah, Yeshua is—it's the Galilean pronunciation, which would be Yeshu, Yeshu. right? And then that the in the Greek becomes Jesus. Jesus. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. I think this is Mark saying, "See, even the temptation when Satan was here to supposedly destroy Jesus, instead he's proved to be the Messiah." He's there with the animals, just like the Messiah will be in his day. And he's there with the angels, and the angels are dressing him, taking care of his wounds, caring for him, and dressing him after Satan has been rebuked and been thrown away. Okay, so I just want you to know that you have given me a lot of information here that I did not currently (laughs) possess. And I am all the more confident that Jesus in the wilderness defying Satan is an embodiment of his entire ministry yeah. at this moment in time. Yep. Like, yep. Like, yep. Like, yep. Add everything you just said to that. That's what it all like, points yep. to. Yep. Yeah. It that's wild, sense. man. Yeah. That's so cool. So the temptation of Jesus, this short little passage, um, we, we just get a total of maybe 20 verses, 10 in Matthew, 10 in Luke. One. In the book of Mark, John doesn't even mention it. But what do we learn from it? We learn, first of all, how do we deal with temptation? We know truth. And that is through the scriptures. Speak truth. Yep. Secondly, we know Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He's shown to be the Messiah from before he even begins his ministry. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean... At the baptism. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if that's not clear enough, you know, like, this is the cherry on top. Now we've got it. Yeah, I mean, in the baptism, God actually speaks and said, this is the one. This is him. This is your guy. (laughs) And John. 
Oh like, yeah, John like, says the same thing. Yeah, yeah, literally everything about the baptism of Jesus yep. is like, yeah, he's God. This is him. Oh yeah, this is oh, yeah. yeah. Jesus comes and John says, no, 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 no. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, just, just go ahead and do it. Yeah, and let's see what happens. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I love it. So it's a beautiful passage. Is there anything more you want to hash out about this before we get into like the applicational stuff? Uh, there's nothing else that I brought. I think this one's a pretty easy one to sum up. I mean, what what it boils down to is, I mean, aside from all that, all this about like understanding through the temptation of Jesus that he is the Messiah, he is the one that has has he's living the life that none before him could. He's here to to make things right, right? He's the Messiah. He's yeah. God. Aside from that, we can take what Jesus does in the face of temptation and we should we should mirror it, right? I mean, Jesus says, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, right? Yeah. So we're supposed to be living like Jesus, we're supposed to be following the example he's set, the teachings that he has set forth. And so I think that it's fair to say in the face of temptation, what do we do? Well, one, we don't give the devil a foothold, right? right? right. Jesus tells us things like that, like run, run from the devil. Right. Like don't yep. don't yep. sit yep. in the face of him. But when you can't get away from him, when you're in a position that Jesus was in where where you are being tempted continually and you can't just flee it, what do you do? You speak the truth out loud at the devil. You tell him the truth. You remind him of the truth. You let him know that you're aware of the truth, and you anchor yourself on it. And the only way to know the truth is through the word of God, which is where all knowledge and understanding and truth come from, right? So the way devil, the way the devil usually tempts us is he finds something, and he keeps coming back to that one thing. He did to Jesus. Yeah, he did to Jesus. Constantly. He narrowed it too. Right. He yeah. narrowed it. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, it's not food. Well, that's the yeah, that that, that, that's uh, not he, he doesn't seem to be all that concerned about people knowing who he is. Right, he's, right, he's kind right. of vague about that yeah. one. Let's go with power. But he probably doesn't <laughs> want to have to die. Yeah. And we see that in the garden. Let's take that shortcut. We see how how desperate Jesus is in the garden. He's, he's blood is it's like his tears are like blood dripping right, from him, right, right? Right, right? Like that's that is stress. Like the devil was working on Jesus, but Jesus still kept reminding himself and his enemy of the truth of God. So if you know that the devil tempts you with a particular sin, anger, lust. Greed. Uh, greed. Power. Power. Study what Scripture says. Find Scripture verses that you're going to begin to memorize, and you are going to memorize them. You're not going to carry them around in sheets of paper because you're going to lose those sheets of paper. You memorize them so the words are written in your mind. They're written on your heart. And when Satan tempts you, Start quoting those. Start going over your memory verses. Mm -hmm. Remember them. Speak them. Speak them out loud if you're alone. Yep. Uh, Part of our Hope Dealer class that we were just doing, one of the things we do from week to week uh, after like week three, so like week three through six, every week we're telling you to memorize Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There you go. 
that's huge. The enemy attacks our identity too, right? Oh, absolutely. I am under no condemnation if I am in Christ. Right, right. I right. am not condemned. I have to remember that because we are sinners and we get guilty conscience. And when Satan tries to give you that guilty conscience, you can say, there is therefore now no condemnation. Right. You can condemn me. The world can condemn me. People can condemn me. God, God does, does not condemn not. me. Right. 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 That's just one example. Yeah. That's just one simple example. But yeah, we've got to remember those things. Cool. Cool. That was a fun one. That was wild. You blew my there's, mind. There's amazing. Was that what you were just throwing at me I in was, the middle? Yeah. Yeah. I told I told uh, Zach before we began the podcast. I'm I'm holding something in my pocket that I'm going to throw at him just to see how he reacts. <laughs> I was a little scared. And it was Zechariah. Yeah. It was Zechariah three. Yeah. I didn't know where that, that was going. So that cool, was awesome. Though. That is so cool. Love yeah. it. Right on. Well, with that said. Thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of Salty Saints. Uh, make sure to check us out online at www.saltysaintspodcast.com. Uh, make sure to get over and check out our friends at Life Audio. They've got excellent podcasts of all sorts of biblical varieties, and some of them are just like fun Christian living stuff too. So like they got a ton of stuff over there. Get over there, check them out, and until next time, stay salty. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the TMUS podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.